Welcome to Heart Church. We believe that the gospel has the power to change your whole life or your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Thank you so much. If you're here in Cityside or Jubilee or at home, if you're stood up, you can take your seats. Oh, excuse me while I just sort out these makeup tears that I'm sure I've got streaming down my face from. What a powerful moment in God. Amazing, amazing. Hi, everybody. I'm Leah. For those of you who don't know me, I'm on staff at Heart Church here, which I love. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be speaking to you today. I have, I have such a simple message for us today. And God is on with a theme clearly in our service because the title of my message today is No Matter What. No Matter What. And my very simple message is that we have a hope and we have a, a faith that will stand no matter what. And I, the reason I want to speak to you about this today is this is a simple message for complex times that we're in right now. I, I don't know if anybody else feels this, but I can feel a little bit right now like nothing, nothing is simple. Going to the shop isn't simple. Coming to church isn't simple, let alone facing the future. Nothing is simple. And, and as I was reflecting on what to bring today, I was thinking about the last um, 18 months that we've all been through. And I was reflecting, okay, where am I at? Where might the church be at? What have we been through? What has brought us to this moment? Therefore, God, what do you want to say? And I started to think about um, just everything we've been through. Okay, does anybody remember when coronavirus was just something that was happening somewhere across the world in another place. I mean, how long ago does that feel? It was actually only the start of last year. I'm going to share with you some of my favorite memes from the last 18 months, because that's how I cope with difficult things, is humor. Thank you. If you could put the first one up, the first meme come March 2020, it was like, boom, lockdown happened. Sorry, everybody, the world is, is closed. I'll wait and see if that comes up in a second. Um, and it just happened so fast, didn't it? Lockdown, oh yeah, brilliant, thank you. It just, for me, it, it, it happened so fast. It was like, that's it, okay, we're done. And then all of a sudden, all these things that weren't part of our, our world, let alone our vocabulary, like social distancing, become normal, and we're trying to get used to them, and, and all of this, and then in, we're thinking, what does this mean? How are we gonna cope with this? And then my second favorite meme, th this is what happened next. No toilet paper, no toilet paper. It's like, what, what, okay, we're, are we getting the apocalypse? Are we getting the end of the world? No, what we got for was working from home and no toilet paper. Who would have thought that that would be the case? And then the reality of being at home kicks in if you could put up my next favorite meme, please. Homeschooling. Okay, parents, does anybody remember this? <laughs> like, maybe you don't want to remember it. Maybe you blocked it from your mind. I love this. Farm parents, yay! City parents, no! <laughs> and then we had to, we've all probably at some point had to self-isolate and felt quite trapped in our own homes. What was that about? Here's, here's my next favorite one. It's slightly... Slightly cheeky. I told my wife how thankful I was to have someone I enjoyed being quarantined with, and she said, hmm, must be nice. 
<laughs> and we've all been through that, being at home with our families and dealing with all of that, or maybe being at home on your own and dealing with that. And all the while, our brains are being bombarded with case numbers and death tolls and news articles. And are we doing this right? Is the government doing it right? Are they not doing it right? And then constant social media posts about how to use the pandemic and how to better yourself. If you could put up my next favorite meme, please. The fifth one, two types of people during quarantine. One, I'm taking this time to better myself. Two, I just ate carrot cake with my bare hands. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you three guesses which kind I have been during this pandemic. And then we went into lockdown again and we thought it was never gonna happen again and then it happened again. And I don't know if anybody can relate to this at Christmas time when we were going to spend time with people and then it got reduced to one day. Honestly, I just felt like I had nothing left. It was a roller coaster. And this is my last favorite meme because come the end of the year after Christmas, this is from Back to the Future. If you've seen the film, Marty, whatever happens, do not go to 2020. <laughs> and that was like the feeling at the end of last year. Most people were feeling just 2020, goodbye, good riddance, it's over. And I kind of like this meme because it's funny, but I also kind of like it because it's ironic because we were like, yay, it's over. The year is over and, it's, and it wasn't over. And we're still there and we're still in it. And then perseverance and endurance has to kick in. And these are all the things that we've collectively experienced, this roller coaster. And on top of that, Every single person will have something in your own individual life going on that makes this even more complex, that will give you another layer of uncertainty and things to deal with. In my life, March, February time this year, uh, my husband Andrew and I found out that we're pregnant again. Yay! So exciting. If you haven't noticed, I mean, I'm at the stage where it's hard to put on my own shoes, so really you should have noticed. And uh, I honestly, church family, I was thinking, you know, we have a son. He's two and a half. His name is Roman. He's amazing. I love it. I've loved, loved, loved this journey of parenthood. And I was thinking, great, second pregnancy, second child. I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've got all the stuff. You know, I've got the cot. I've got the car seat. I've got the buggy. This is great. I, it's totally different to the first time because now I know what I'm doing. Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Copsey. Yeah, I can see two heartbeats on this scan. <laughs> You're having twins. What? <laughs> Actually, both Andrew and I in the scan, we both said, what? <laughs> At the same time, and the, the sonographer lady went, ooh, ooh, okay. Let's <laughs> just calm down. And you know what? We're absolutely deliriously happy over the moon completely and we actually started laughing with joy in the scan and then we got told off because she said I can't do the scan if you're laughing can you please stop laughing and we're so happy but I don't know what I'm doing now what I don't know what I'm doing I, I don't have the stuff I had to get a new car I had to get a new buggy I don't know how to fit the things in my house I'd, I'm completely resigned to the chaos that it is going to be and even good things, even blessings, even great things in your life can bring a level of uncertainty and complexity and worry and fear and I don't know what's going to happen. And now we have reopening anxiety, 
which, I mean, that is a phrase that, that is never part of our vocabulary before, and now it's normal, and it's actually a real thing. Because our brains have been um, trained for stress and threat and fear, and it takes time to retrain. And we've lost people. And it's not going to be getting back to normal because we don't have everybody that we had before. And maybe you have health fears or other fears or things going on in your life. And we're experiencing this stuff all together. And you will have things in your own life that will make it even more complex. And we don't even have closure about what the future actually holds. We don't even have that right now. We think we see the end in sight, but we're not even totally certain. And on top of all of that, church, we're in the flipping Euros final tonight and we don't know what's going to happen. And I was speaking to one of my friends on staff who shall remain nameless, but he may have been leading the meeting this morning. And he said, Leah, please, can you just do a message about emotional stability ready for the final tonight? And, I, and my answer to that is, as a five-month pregnant lady, um, emotional stability is a myth. It, right? it doesn't exist. Stability in emotions is the Loch Ness monster of emotions as far as I'm concerned. Because in all of this stuff going on, my message for us today is no matter what is happening, no matter what we don't know, no matter what we do know, no matter what has happened or hasn't happened or will happen or may not happen or... Ah, we have a hope and a faith in God that will stand and that will bring us through no matter what. And that is a real no matter what. There's no invisible asterisk that says, oh yeah, but not in this situation or that situation. Literally nothing will take away the hope and the faith that we can have in God. I'm going to share with you two scriptures that have been so powerful for me um, that God spoke to me, well, they spoke through these scriptures at the end of last year and they've been going strong for me ever since. And honestly, the staff, the creative team who I work with, they are sick of me sharing these. I've, okay, this may be the last time, but I can't promise that because I've shared them in so many settings because they've been so powerful to me. The first one is Psalm 112 verse four. It says, even in darkness, light will dawn for the upright. Even in darkness, light will dawn from the upright. Sim simply put, there is no darkness that can happen in your life. There is no terrible thing that could come on you, no dark place that you could go to in your emotions that God could not bring light in. And the second scripture is Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness won't be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Simply put, there is nowhere you could go. There is no place your life could go to. There is no place that you could go to in your actions or your mind where God would not be there. You would never be alone. He will always be there. And 
And that's it. Great. 11-minute sermon. Brilliant. Let's, do, let's, let's go home. No, I am going to give you a little bit more than that. These scriptures are saying to us that we need a hope like this in this time, in this uncertain time. These scriptures are saying, no, there's nothing. There's nothing that could happen where God could not come through for you. There's no dark place you could go to where he could not bring light. We've all experienced in the last 18 months things that we never thought would happen. And we have a hope and a faith in God when, when, it, when what you thought could never happen happens, this hope still stands. This hope still stands. So we're going to take a look at these scriptures. I'm going to ask, what are they saying? How do we know they're true? What does it mean for us? So what are these scriptures saying? Psalm 112 verse 4, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Okay. I want this promise to be for me because I need this in my life. So it's saying even in darkness, light will dawn for the upright, for people who are upright. Okay. So is this promise only for good people? What do I have to do to get this promise in my life? Do I have to be upright? Do I just have to be a good person all the time? Well, it's worth asking the question, what does it mean to be upright? What, what does that mean? The Bible teaches us that being upright means to be like God. It means to be like God. The whole of verse four says, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright for those who are gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Okay, that's good. I'm learning what it means to be upright. And in the Psalm just before, Psalm 111, verse three to four, it's talking about God. And it says, glorious and majestic are his deeds. His righteousness endures forever. He causes his wonders to be remembered. He is gracious and compassionate. So that Psalm is saying God is righteous, gracious, and compassionate. And in the next Psalm, it says the upright is a righteous, gracious, and compassionate. To be upright means to be like God. Great, that's even harder than being a good person. <laughs> it's like, I could maybe try and be a good person, but can I try and be like God? Okay, if I want this promise to be for me, how do I get to be upright? How do I get to be like God? Is it just by trying and never messing up? I mean, that's one way give it a go, spoiler alert, it's not going to happen. The Bible teaches that to be like God, to be upright comes from accepting Jesus into our hearts. And that is fantastic news because when we accept Jesus into our hearts, we are transformed from the inside to become righteous and gracious and compassionate, to become like God. This is what the Bible teaches in Romans 3. It says, everybody has sinned. Everybody. There's no getting out of that. We are all in the same boat. Everybody has messed up and it makes us not like God and it separates us from God. And it's a problem we cannot solve ourselves. We can try or we can do self-improvement and we can have goals and, and new resolutions and things but this is a problem we cannot solve ourselves. Jesus came and solved it for us on the cross, as Pastor Lynette was talking about earlier in communion. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he took on every sin in the world and he paid for it. And when we believe in that work that Jesus did on the cross, we not only receive forgiveness, but we get made new. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24 goes on to talk about this newness and what we do with it. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When we accept Jesus, we're forgiven, our slate is wiped clean, we're made new, but we're not just made new to mess up again. We're made new, we are made into the righteousness of God and we are given power to live that out. And, to be, and that's an ongoing process to become more and more like God, but we're given power to actually be able to do it. So when this Psalm is saying, light will dawn for the upright, it's not saying even in darkness, light will only come for good people. It's not saying even in darkness, light will only come for godly people. It's saying even in darkness, light will come for anyone who has Jesus. And that's good because anyone can have Jesus. When we have Jesus, there is no dark thing that could happen in your life that you could not come back from. There is no dark place in your emotions when you have Jesus that you could go to that God cannot bring light in. Maybe you need to hear that today. You're in a dark place. God can and will bring light into your situation. And similarly, in Psalm 139, let's just read verse seven again. It teaches us there's nowhere that we could go where we would be alone or God couldn't find us and rescue us. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. And that is because of what Jesus has done. I just want to share with you a story of how this scripture came into my life. It was towards the end of last year. And um, when we were having heart prayer every Wednesday last year, because a lot was going on and we thought, okay, it will be a good idea to pray. But let me tell you, when you have a prayer meeting every single week, after the first three weeks, it loses its novelty. (laughs) And if you're going to show up, it's because you're committed to prayer and because you believe in it, not because there's any novelty factor. And on this particular Wednesday... I was coming to the prayer meeting because I'm committed to prayer and I'm committed to showing up, not because I was brimming with faith. It was a normal Wednesday. It was just a Wednesday night. It was just run of the mill. It was whatever. But at that time in my life, I found myself in a very dark place emotionally. And I was asking myself, how did I end up here? Like, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. How have I ended up? questioning whether God is there. How how have I got to this place that I never thought I would get to? And maybe you can relate to that. Something's going on in your life that you think, how did this happen to me? And Naomi James Davis was sharing on the prayer meeting and she shared this scripture. And she said, this scripture is saying, your life might have not even just taken a wrong turn. Maybe it's just gone completely off the map of what you'd mapped out for your life. Because we all have a map for our life. Even if we've not planned everything, we have a map that doesn't include some stuff. Like nobody's planning 
to have a bad diagnosis. Nobody's planning to get divorced. Nobody's planning for one of your children to walk away from God. We all have a map. And what do we do when our life goes off the map? And Naomi shared, God is there. There's nowhere you could go off the map. How did you end up in a certain place? Well, it doesn't matter because God can get you back. And it's just hit me. It was, it was such a normal Wednesday. It was, I just finished the ironing for crying out loud. You can't get more mundane than that on a Wednesday night. And it just goes to show church, the power of showing up is so underrated because you don't know when God's going to say something to you. You don't know when God's going to do something, but we believe in this stuff. Anyway, that's, a, that's an aside. But when your life goes off the map, the scripture's saying that God is there. And that is because of what Jesus has done. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 12 to 14, it says, remember at that time you were separate from Christ. Before we have Jesus, we're separate from God, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And through the blood of Christ, this psalm is saying, when you have Jesus, you will never be separate from God, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter where a place life takes you to, God will be there, no matter what. No matter, and that is a true no matter what. Not even death can separate us from God because of what Jesus has done. And that's how we know these scriptures are true. Because of what Jesus has done. I've been talking to you about Jesus dying on the cross, but the way we know these scriptures are true are because Jesus rose again from the dead. Jesus, I had a great moment in the car this morning. I was talking to my little boy, Roman. I was taking him to Jubilee campus. I was talking to him about what I was speaking today. I'm sure he understood everything and he was taking notes. But I, I was just simply saying to him, Jesus rose again, woohoo! And he'll repeat it, Jesus rose again, woohoo! That's what we need in our lives. The fact that Jesus rose again shows us that these scriptures are true. Okay, how does that all work? When Jesus died on the cross for us, he took on every sin in the world. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what we've been talking about. And as Jesus died on the cross, he became sin. And the Bible teaches us that because he took on sin, he died and he descended into the place of death. That's what Romans chapter six says, that death comes into the world through sin. At the very beginning of creation, that's why death is here. And if Jesus had not taken on sin, he was a sinless man. He was a man without sin. If he had not taken on sin, he would not have died. But the fact that he died shows us that he took on every sin of the world. And the fact that he rose again shows us that he conquered not only death, but every sin ever to be committed, ever. He conquered it. The resurrection is the proof that our faith is real. It is the ultimate proof that Jesus has conquered it. 
Can I just say, if you struggle to believe in the resurrection, I've got a couple of book recommendations for you, because this is important. The first one is Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And the second one is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. That was written by a journalist who set out to disprove the resurrection because he thought, if I can disprove that, I can disprove everything about this Christianity malarkey. And Christians love the book because he ended up believing in Jesus. <laughs> That's why we love it. They're kind of old books, but they're still worth it because this is so important that you believe in this. Because the resurrection is the ultimate proof of so many things. It's what it says in Acts chapter 2, 24. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on Jesus. And it was impossible for death to keep a hold on Jesus because he had conquered every sin. The resurrection shows us that, I mean, yeah, oh, sorry, I'm getting too excited now. I'm skipping forward in my notes. Let me just read you this. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14. It says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. I mean, get to the point, why don't you? <laughs> I mean, if this isn't true, it's useless what I'm doing right now. Why? Because the resurrection is the ultimate proof of that Jesus is who he said he was, that he conquered death, that we can be forgiven, that we can have a new life, that we can have life after death. And for the purpose of what we are talking about today, it proves that no matter what, we can have hope. So I've been saying to you, there's no dark place you could go to where God cannot bring light. And when you don't feel that, you can remember the resurrection because you can remember that Jesus already went to the darkest place of all, the place of carrying every sin of every person in the whole world and he conquered it. He's already been there. So now there is no dark place that would ever be as dark as that that God couldn't conquer for you. And I've been saying to you, there's no place that you could go, there's no place your life, no turn your life could take where God wouldn't be there. And when you don't feel that, when that voice comes to say, oh no, this is too bad, this is too bad, this is it, this is crossed the line now, you can remember the resurrection. Because if Jesus had not conquered every sin, then he wouldn't have rose from the dead. He wouldn't have risen again because there would have been a sin he hadn't conquered. But he did, and he has. So you can say, oh, hang on, last I checked, Jesus rose from the dead. So no, there is nothing that's too bad. There is nothing that has crossed the line. God is always with me. He will always be there. I can always have hope. I can always have faith. So what does this mean for us today? The first thing it means for us is we do not need to fear. We do not need to fear the future, the unknown. We do not need to be afraid. This is what it says in Psalm 112, later in that Psalm, verse seven. It says about the upright people that we've been talking about, people who have Jesus. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Like, of course we worry about the future. Of course we do. Of course we get afraid sometimes about things. But when we have a hope that, that, that says, even if all those bad things and all those worries happened, God would come through for me and I would be okay because he would be there and I can hope in him. There's a layer 
of foundational worry and fear that can just go. Because even if your worst fears came true, there's nothing that can stop God helping you and rescuing you and bringing you light. So we could change our, I'm not gonna come through this dark time to, I don't know how I'm gonna come through this dark time, but I know that I will. It's okay to not know how it's gonna happen. We all feel like that, but we know that God is true and no matter what is a real no matter what. The second thing that it means for us is we can always pray. We can always pray and ask God. We never have to give up on that. This is what it says in Luke chapter 18, verse one. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I like it when the Bible's simple. (laughs) I like it when it just says, you should always pray and not give up. And that can be true because we can always have faith. We can always have hope. We can always have faith that God can do something and we can always have hope that He might do something and that He will do something. We can always go to Him in prayer. That can be difficult because we don't always have the reasons and the feelings to have faith and to have hope. We don't always have the reasons to have hope and we don't always have the feelings to have hope. They might not be there. You might be facing a circumstance that is utterly against you having hope. You might feel weary and you can't muster the feelings of having hope. You can still pray and ask God This is another book recommendation that I've been reading for you. It's called God on Mute by Pete Gregg. And again, it's a bit old, but it still works because I'll read this bit to you at the beginning. You know, we all go through times where we're wondering, can God do this? Is He gonna do it? It's so common, we put it in a song and we're putting that song out there as a worship song to say, do you still have the power? This is what Pete Gregg says as his first line of this book called God on Mute. If your deepest, most desperate prayers aren't being answered, if life sometimes hurts so much that you secretly wonder whether God exists, and if He does exist, whether He cares, and if He cares, why on earth He doesn't just do something to help, then you are not alone. You are not alone. But you know what? Even in doubt, we can pray to God. At the very beginning of the... um, the introduction to this book, he he writes this uh, poem and it's called Engaging in the Silence. I'm going to read it to you because I think it's just really powerful. First, there is prayer. And where there is prayer, there may be miracles. But where miracles may not be, there are questions. And where there are questions, there may be silence. But silence may not be absence. Silence might be presence muted. Silence may not be nothing but something to explore, defy, accuse, engage. And this is prayer. And where there is prayer, there might yet be miracles. You know, even in doubt, you can pray and say, God, I'm doubting that you're there. Even in doubt, you can pray because it's not based on us and our reasons and our feelings, it's based on God. 
Our hope is not based on whether I come with the faith. Our hope is based on God is always faithful. It's not based on us, it's based on God. And that brings me to the very last thing that I want to say, which is we don't need to fear, we can always pray and we will always be loved. Always be loved. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Because of what Jesus has done, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither neither the present nor the future. We need to hear that right now. Not the present, not the future, nor any powers or height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Literally nothing can stop God loving you. Not even you. Not even you. And we have this hope that is a no matter what hope. You may have stopped loving God, but God has never and will never stop loving you. Since before the creation of the world, exactly. But that's another message for another day. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says this. These three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that's a great sort of summary to what I'm saying today. We can always have faith. We can always have hope and we will always be loved. But the reason I believe that it says that that love is the greatest of those three is because if you lose your faith and you lose your hope, God's love will still get you through. Even if you've come today and you think, yeah, 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 this message is so for me, but I just can't feel it. God's love will still get you through. Amen. Father God, thank you so much. We just are so grateful to you, Lord Jesus, that we have hope that is a true no matter what hope. Thank you, God. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.